This is Greg Tyne, Seton Hall 4th all-time leading scorer, and you've been listening to Left Coast Pirates. seconds to go down by two. Here's Whitehead guarded by Ochefu. Gets the step into the lane. Goes to the bucket. Layup. Rolls around it in. And a foul! Whitehead ties the game! Pow! From Trenton! Woo! What Trenton makes the world takes! Coming to you just west of the Ward Place Gate from San Diego, California. He is Mike Dizzy Deziri, class of 2001. I am Tommy Chilkoharski, class of 1997. And we are Left Coast Pirates. How you doing today, Mikey? Good morning, Tommy. Why don't you just get right to it and ask me if I'm excited about today's guest? Mikey, I am on cloud nine. I don't know if I care if you're excited. I know I'm excited about this, Mike. This is a guy who has been talked about on message boards, social media. Is he the best? Where does he rank? Once again, I just feel another guy that gets kind of lost in the shuffle. We talk about all the guys in the glory days of the 50s and the 60s, and then we talk about present day Seton Hall in the 90s with PJ and the current run with Kevin. But when Seton Hall was being put on the map in the Big East, this is the guy that it was all centered around. You know, Dan Calandrillo was the first player ever to win Big East Player of the Year representing Seton Hall, and that's only been done by three guys. I know we both share this opinion. We think that number should be hanging from the rafters. So I'm actually super excited as when we get to the end of this interview today, asking him that question and kind of seeing how he feels about where he ranks in Seton Hall lore. I can't thank friend of the podcast, Dan Dunn, enough. He helped out. He helped arrange this interview, and I am ecstatic about today. All right, let's do it. He was a high school All-American and led North Bergen to the state championship in his senior year. Starred for the Pirates from 1978 to 1982. As a senior, he averaged 25.9 points per game and was named third-team All-American, Haggerty Award winner, and Big East Player of the Year. Currently sits at sixth on the all-time Seton Hall scoring list. Please welcome to Left Coast Pirates Live, Dan Calandrillo. Dan, how are you today? Good, good, good. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for joining us. We like to kind of start out the interview nowadays, just kind of checking in, seeing how the family's doing, obviously with everything going on with the coronavirus and COVID-19. So is everybody healthy and safe on your side? Yeah, thank God. You know, uh you know, I, you really don't want to call too many people during this time to see, you know, a lot of people went through it. I was in the middle of it. I was in Rockland County, New York, and uh, I was teaching, coaching up there, and it just got hit really bad. But uh, thank God, you know, I have four boys. They're all good. And, you know, I talked to Coach Raftery. He's fine. Most of the players I played with are good. So hope you guys and your families are well, too. So. Well, we're not we're not facing the same kind of challenges out here on the uh, on the left coast as you guys we're just basically stuck in our homes. I'm in the, the garage, as I always joke. But I got two little kids, and eventually the walls start creeping in, and they need their own space. Speaking <laughs> of not having a space, you grew up the youngest of 13 children. Both of your parents were deaf, lived in a three-bedroom, fourth-floor walk-up. Tell me what it was like growing up in the Calandrillo household and the influence your father had on you playing the game of basketball. Well... The, the quarters were definitely tight, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, I, I always tell people, you know, I was poor, but I had a good childhood, you know, great parents, a lot of brothers and sisters, you know, back then I, I try to tell kids the focus was really like getting, being outside, being healthy and then, you know, playing a sport. If you didn't play a sport in Hudson County, you either, you know, were a drug dealer or you were in a mob or, you know, or sports was my ticket out. You know, my my mother and father were phenomenal. They were both deaf, like you said. My dad was a janitor. My mother was a maid. Uh, very strict. Nine o'clock, the door was shut. 
And I was always home early because I was the youngest. So the older brothers and sisters would always pound on the door and I would let them in. But my dad was strict and I took it as like going out into the schoolyard. I, I saw everything. That's why I teach now and I coach high school basketball. It's a joke because they think like I, you know, was just some guy that never played. And, but no, the influence as a kid, especially in Hudson County, it was always in the park, schoolyard. Their the programs for kids were phenomenal. Uh, all my friends were athletes, so that was kind of a good thing for me. But like I said, my dad, it took full circle. And it was so funny because my parents were deaf. I was uh, teaching up in Rockland, North Rockland High School. And they said to me, Dan, we need a, a sign language teacher. And I said, look, I'm fluent. So they didn't believe me. So I went into the class and I started talking to everybody and they freaked, <laughs> they freaked out. <laughs> but, uh, so, so now I'm getting certified before all of this happened. Uh, and I'll be a full-time sign language teacher in September. So that's very cool. Well, if these kids don't know who you are, Dan, you should just tell them to Google you up because you had one of the more accomplished high school playing careers for North Bergen. The Bruins were lucky to have you. In your senior year, you scored 32 points a game. Yeah, totaled up 853 points that year, breaking the Hudson County prep record set in the 50s by the legendary Tommy Heinsohn. And if for people who don't know who that is, former Boston Celtic player, former Boston Celtic coach and announcer. How special was it to break the record of such an iconic player? Yeah, that was, that was uh, you know, it was weird because my high school coach, Matty Sabella, was like a father. You know, he took me off the street. I was a bartender in eighth grade, which is, you can't even phantom now. But Randy Shave was a scene hall guy. He played with Sonny Sunkett, and he was really influential in me coming to scene hall with Raph. But it's funny because when I broke Heinsohn's record, I would say, I don't know, a couple of years after, um, I was up in Boston. I used to work on Wall Street, and I had my four boys with me, and I won this thing in some charity to be a ball boy for the Celtics. So, you know, Rick Pitino was a good friend. He was the coach. So I said to my son, Daniel, go over there, that big guy, and tell him that I broke my dad broke your record in Hudson County. <laughs> <laughs> so he walks over to Heinsohn, who's like gigantic, and he says, sir, my dad told me to come over, and he, he just wanted you to know that he broke your record in Hudson County. He's like, you're Dan Calendrillo's son? He goes, where is he? He comes over. I mean, I'm telling you, the guy must be 6'10". He's gigantic. So he walks over to me, gives me a big hug, and, hey, kid, you know, that's <laughs> awesome. You know, you had a great career. <laughs> so I was like, you know, Mr. Heinsohn, it was only a joke. He's like, no, no, no. It's so funny. I never knew this. My Uncle Harry was head of detectives in Hudson County, like a feared guy. And he used to hang out with Heinsohn, Togo Palazzi, George Bellaney, and he protected all those guys. I'm like, here's a guy, 6'9", and he needed protection back then in Hudson <laughs> County because, it, it, you know, it wasn't really, where I grew up, wasn't really a, a great area. But uh, a funny Heinsohn story, though. Well, senior year, you also had lots of team success. You won the Group 4 state title, and you beat out former NBA star Kelly Trapuca from Bloomfield High School in the semifinals. Now, Trapuca's finished that game with 52 points, and some people have said that this particular game may have been the best high school game ever played in the history of New Jersey. What do you remember from that game, and how good was Trapuca that night? Well, I'll tell you, Kelly and I, you know, we became friends after that. You know, in Hudson County, you know, we grew up with Jackie Galoon, O'Corrin, Spinnacle, Jimmy Boylan, you know, pros. And they were all older than me. And I was like, look, if they're that good, then we, we should beat them. But Matty Sabello, who never recruited, you know, never scouted anybody, he came back. He said, let me tell you something. This is the best kids you'll ever play against in your life. So we had a formula, like, Matty was a phenomenal coach where, like, we were like, hey, let him get 40, not 50, but let him get 30, 40 points, and we just stop everybody else. Thank God, you know, I think he had 54, 55, whatever he had. If, he, if you could dunk back then, he would have had 65, 70 points. <laughs> but the funny story ever was, so North Bergen High School calls me. I don't know when. I'm working on Wall Street. Hey, Danny, this is, uh, you know, it's always an Italian guy in North Bergen, some guy. <laughs> Uh, today's the 25th anniversary of the state championship. And I was like, oh, wow, that's great. And he's asking me these questions. I'm like, look, dude, I'm trading. Uh, it was a great time. So then I call Rats. 
I say, hey, coach, you know, 25 years ago, you know, we beat Tripuca's team. He goes, Danny, you got to call him. So they were doing the net games together. I don't know if you remember, Raph used to do the net games. Yeah, of course. Uh, of course. So he gives me Kelly's number. So I call Kelly, and I'm like, hey, Kelly, it's Joe, you know, Joe, uh, Italian name. And he's like, what do you want? And I'm like, oh, no, sir, I don't want to bother you, but uh, it's I'm, an al- I'm, I'm running North Bergen High School. It's our anniversary. We beat you today. 20- he went nuts. <laughs> nuts. <laughs> Yeah, Tony, what's your last name? Tony, what? Yeah, you know Tony, you, the Italian guy, Calendrillo, all those Italian guys. They got lucky. I had a, I had a bad game, so I I literally let him go. I just let him go for like twenty minutes. I'm like, sir, sorry, the body's like, you tell Calendrillo, blah 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 blah. I let him go, and then I said, Kelly, Kelly, calm down. It's Danny. And he was like, Danny, the next time I see you, I'm going to kill you. And I said, hey, hey, we beat you. That's it. It's over. Goodbye. Click. That's great. He Uh, he scores 52. I had a bad game. (laughs) uh, Yeah, but I got to tell you, he was was one of the best. I mean, they're saying he's one of the best in New Jersey. But, you know, it's funny. Daryl Devereaux passed away. He was my teammate. And we went to the funeral, Raph and I. And, and. We saw Daryl's coach. Actually, we won a state championship my junior year, and we scrimmaged them. And they had Peoples, the big three, they called them. Peoples, Devereaux, and they had Aaron Howard, who went to Villanova. They were phenomenal. So we scrimmaged them, and it was kind of even. You know, we were really good, and they were good. And they actually played Tripuca's team before us, and they lost. So I was talking to the coach, uh, Daryl's coach, and he's like, Danny, you know, uh, we would have beat you guys. And I said, look. It was unfortunate that you ran into Trapuca. But I said on the other side, it was unfortunate for Trapuca because he ran into us. (laughs) (laughs) Trash talking doesn't stop years later. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a Hudson County thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that, that game had to obviously garner you some attention from the college ranks. And during that year, you put in 62 points against St. Joe's. So what were the schools that were recruiting you the hardest at that point? Well, you know, before Seton Hall got into the picture, like, I, I was, I signed with Marquette. They won a national championship. I went out there. I met McGuire. Uh, Jimmy Boylan was from Jersey City. You know, he would always take me out when he came in. And I, I just, like, loved the style of play, tough coach. And then what happened was my dad was dying, and they let me out of my scholarship. So I was looking at Syracuse because Coach Patino was there, St. John's, and, and I had Georgia. I had NC State, all the New York schools. But my parents were older, and I was like, look, if I could just stay local. Funny story. I don't even know if I should say it, but it's clean. It, I'll keep it clean. So we used to go to this bar in Hudson County. It was by the Lincoln Tunnel, and it was, you know, I was drinking age. So we all used to go there. They used to take care of us. The older guys would always buy us pizza or beer or whatever. So my best friend, Matty Pickenich, who Matty went to Seton Hall, him and I went to backcourt. He was my best friend. And uh, Matty calls me. Goes to the front of the bar and he says, Danny, there's a guy in the back. He's buying drinks for everybody. So I'm like, okay, I'll be right back. We just beat somebody. And I go back there and it's Raph. I didn't know who he was. So he's like, hey, I'm Coach Raph. I'm like, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, are you buying drinks? Come on. Yeah. So he buys everybody drinks, beer. So I said, Maddie, let's go. So Maddie and I piled it. We were, Maddie was my best. He passed away a couple of years ago. But Maddie, uh, I said, Matt, let's go. You know, I want to go home. So I'm walking out the door. Raph pulls me aside. He goes, hey, look, I I really want to talk to you. I'm the head coach at Seton Hall University. And I was like, uh-uh. I said, here, here's my number. My, my parents, we had a phone that it rang and it lit up. So because obviously they couldn't hear, but they saw the phone when it lit up. So the next day I see, you know, I hear it ring and I see the light. I pick it up. It was always for, you know, me or my brothers or sisters, whatever. And it was Raph. He's like, hey, Danny, I'm like, hey, how you doing? He's like, can I meet you one-on-one? I go, yeah. I live, this is where I live, you know, in North Bergen. So he came into town. We went to some diner. We had the coffee. What are you going to do? And I'm like, all right, they get me out of my scholarship at Marquette. I don't know. I'll figure it out. You know, I want to stay local. So he's like, look, I like to, like, you know, to come to Seton Hall, take a take a visit. And, you know, that was all arranged. And I went out there and I kind of liked it. It was weird because he took me to Richie Regan, was in a hospital, the cat. And he's like, would you mind going to the hospital with me? I go, no. I, I, what are, who are we seeing? He's like, oh, my athletic director had some major operation. 
So I kind of liked the guy. I'm like, you know, the guy's sincere. He's like a good person. Seems like a classy guy. You know, I did that. I went home and I was talking to my parents, my high school coach. I was bartending there and I was like, hey, look, coach, I'm thinking about Seton Hall now. He's like, I want to meet the guy. So I reached out the raft and I said look you're gonna have to meet my high school coach he's like my father and that was it came to the bar and uh you know one thing led to another and then time with Seton Hall it was probably the best thing I ever did in my life but <laughs> so so nowadays they're doing backroom deals you guys are clinking glasses drinking beers and, and making deals old school Italian style huh well you know what it was back then like you know, my parents were like, look, they, they drilled draft about education. I got my degree, going to school. He, you know, I, I was kind of like a loner a little. I worked out. I, I wasn't really going to the NBA. I, I just wanted to go to Europe. I was a history guy. I loved traveling. I never traveled in my life. And I was like, look, I'll give the NBA a shot, but I, I really want to go to Italy. So uh, as we like to say, we're glad you chose Seton Hall at, at the end. You know, you, you played four years for the Hall from 78 to 82, and your accolades are like the top of the charts. Sixth all-time leading scorer with 1,985 points. Second all-time leader in steals at 260. When you graduated, you were the leader in that category. And your top 10 all-time in the following categories, minutes played, field goals made, free throws made. And you got off to a good start right there in your freshman year. 12 points a game, four assists, three rebounds. The team had a modest 16-11 and 11 record. By the time that you were getting integrated with the team, the guy who was doing most of the scoring was Nick Galis. He averaged 27.5 points per game. I want to know how lethal of a scorer Nick was and what did you do in your career to kind of model yourself after Nick? Because by the time that you were a senior, you were kind of scoring at that same clip. Yeah, Nick was phenomenal. I mean, you know, we grew up in Hudson County. He was Union City. I was North Bergen. So, you know, Nick was three years older than me, three or four years older than me. So, like, I would always see him in the schoolyard, Gilmore Schoolyard, Union City. That's where, you know, Heinsohn, Togo Palazzi, George Polanyi played St. Michael's. And, you know, I was always there, always looking for a game. And Nick, he was phenomenal. Nick was, Nick was an animal. So it was funny because when I come to Seton Hall, like Greg Tynes, all those guys took me out, Mark Coleman, and Nicky literally, like, did a Hudson County on me. He's like, look, dude, you got four more years here. I take the shots. You pass the ball. <laughs> so I was like, I, I literally, like, I made, I mean, not, I mean, Nick was phenomenal, but literally, like, I could have scored more. But I, it was, it was just fun. Just like, it was probably the first year and the only year of my career in high school, college in, in Italy that I didn't do, I, I didn't do the major scoring. I was just like a point guard and I loved it and he loved it. And he was always like, Danny, you want to go out to dinner? And I go, Nick, I'm going to give you a ball. Don't worry about it. Like, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah, he, to this day, like, it was funny because years later, I was in Italy and he was in Greece. You know, he phenomenal career. And, you know, in Europe, it's uh, home and away. So we go to your court, you come to our court. So we beat them at our court by, I don't know, five or six. And then they beat us by, like, 15 at their court. So they advanced. We lost. But he didn't play. So I had, like, 50. And, because you know, we didn't, I didn't have a three in college. So when there was a three over there, I, 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 that was it for me. The three was it for me. Um, so like I'm going, I'm going on the sidelines. Gallus, you stink. You know, I'm saying other, <laughs> I'm saying other words. But you know what? Like the place is going nuts because Nikki was like a star, and they couldn't believe like this guy from Italy is like talking trash to their main man. You know. <laughs> so after the game, you know, good game, good game, good game. Everybody's like, hey, dude, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, Gallus, uh, you know, I'm saying all this crap. <laughs> so then Nikki, <laughs> Nikki comes over to me. He's like, oh, we're going out. Well, you and I tonight. So he took me out. But, like, we weren't leaving until the next day. So, like, I was out with his team, and they were just like, dude, we were going to kill you. <laughs> like, cause they, you know, they didn't know we knew each other, but they didn't know we went to college together either. So, sure. now I always have fond memories of Nick. Just a good guy. Great player, too, you know. Well, Gallus graduates in your sophomore year. Your production really went to that next level. You upped your scoring to 19.4 points a game. You still were passing it around with almost four assists per game, three rebounds. You make second team all Big East. Now, what's really important is that jump in productivity was even more impressive and meaningful because this was the first season of that Big East. The original seven teams were Georgetown, St. John, Syracuse, UConn, Providence, obviously Seton Hall and Boston College. The team was just honored for its 40th anniversary this season. 
did the team really understand back then how important the formation of the Big East was going to be potentially and how it redefined Northeast basketball? I, all I remember was, you know, I never went home in the summers. I just stayed up there. I trained. I was working out with Gallus and Tynes and all the, the older guy. I was like, I used to go down to, you know, the park in East Orange. I was all over the place. So I'm working out in the gym, and Raph comes over to me. He's like, Danny, you know, we're going to go into this new league. And I'm like, why? Why are we going into the we, – we can't even beat the teams we're beating. And, you know, that, you know, that year, if you remember, we, we would have went into the NCAA my freshman year. We lost in the finals to Iona with Jeff Rulin. So I was like, Coach, who, who, who's in this league? Georgetown. So I said, Coach, they're like pro teams. You know, they're like pro every, – basically every team was. But I got to tell you, it's, it's the best thing I ever learned from Hadi Mahan and Raf. And I got this through my dad and my high school coach, but was like, look, this is when you start to mature in high, in high school, college. And, you know, he's like, Danny, like, I know, we got killed by somebody. And I, I was a bad loser. Like, I was very competitive and I, to this day, and I don't like losing. And I'm so upset. And Coach Raf comes over. He's like, Danny, well, I go, Coach, how we're at Syracuse, we're going to – Madison Square Garden, and then we're going to Georgetown, and then we're going to Villanova. How, you know, he's like Danny, you gotta, you gotta suck it up. This is the way life is. You know, one, you know, one day you go, your first boss is going to be this, and really taught me a lot. Like to this day, you know, at 60 years old, I, 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 I still have that same philosophy. There's good days, there's bad days. You got to move on. And but you know what's funny, and I, I give a lot of credit to the coaching and to the players. And you know, we started beating these teams, and we started beating them a lot. The good teams. And, you know, it was like a lot of work. And, you know, I give credit to Raph, Mel Knight, and Hottie. And, you know, just total, like, night and day. And, you know, there was times, like, we would come back from Syracuse or St. John's or whoever, and we would practice, literally practice. Raph was like, I'm not losing by 40 anymore. It took us a while, you know, and then we all bought in, like, you know what? I, I, me too. I'm pissed off. And then we started beating these teams. You know, the shame was, and I don't want to jump forward, but my senior year, you know, we, we had the team, you know, and uh, it was a shame all the stuff that went down but but the big east was phenomenal phenomenal you kind of inferred it in, in how you described these games you know as you as tough as an out-of-conference season can be it always seems like the conference games ratchet up in intensity and meaning what was it like well i think you know it's funny is this the whole jordan thing brought like light you know because i even my own kids they thought i was like some chump and they, they you know the 80s like 70s 80s basketball was like it was it was like i hated georgetown i i, I know I, patrick's my friend chris mullins my friend but we we I, I was like dude i'm gonna go out there and this is what my older brother saw me you go out there when that ball goes up you don't know anybody and i taught my kids that you don't know my son daniel played in italy four years i just said that's it that's and that's a jordan i'm so glad that they they played that you know his error because you know these kids today don't even know who Michael Jordan is, how good he was, how 80s basketball. You couldn't take a layup. You go down the middle with, with Patrick Ewing there, you're going to get killed. So we had to, Seton Hall, this little school, had a fight. We would have brawls in practice, to be honest. I was an instigator. I was like, look, man, you, you know, you're going to go into Georgetown. There, You're going to go up to Syracuse. It was Manly Fieldhouse. Then it was the Dome, which 33,000 people throwing apples at you, oranges at you. You know, it's like, and I, I got to tell you, man, it really, it, I know for me, can't speak for everybody, but those games, man, I, I would sit in the tub after games because it was it was it was a, it was a fight. It was brutal. Well, you definitely have grown because, as you mentioned, by the time you got to your junior season, you, know, you, you have another great year individually, second team All Big East yet again. The team doesn't have a wealth of success, but you do go four and ten in Big East play that year, so you are starting to kind of ratchet your game up to be competitive. But then you look around the league right now. You got Villanova has just joined the conference and everyone's playing a round robin schedule. So it's just a it's an all out war. And the coaches on the sidelines are iconic names. When we look back now, it's John Thompson, Louis Cornaseca, Raleigh Massimino, Jim Beheim, And then there's this like hometown Irishman from Orange, New Jersey, who's patrolling the sidelines in his plaid checkered suit. Right. Tell us what it was like to play for Coach Raff. Let me tell you something, man. Raff was so intense. I, I grew up that way. Hudson County, there's, there's no there's no breaks. And I, I lived my life that way, and I was trained that way. I was coached that way. So, you know, I I, I was okay with it. But, like, this time, he couldn't yell at guys because they would just fold. And him and I, you know, we I would be screaming at him. He would be screaming at me. <laughs> like like Danny Dunn, perfect example. I give him the ball. He misses a layup. I go, you're done. You're done. 
That's it. No more. So I would come down and I would shoot the ball and Raph would go, damn, what do you, I go, coach, I am not going to give him or anybody else the ball. if They can't make a shot. I'm, I'll take it. I have a high percentage. Trust me. He's like, you can't take every shot. You know, <laughs> no, I, I gotta, I gotta give Raph and, you know, I love him, but so much credit and hottie and Mel, because, you know, like to be honest, and I think you guys know it, we got the most out of the talent we had. Everybody else had better players, better facilities. You know, I mean, come on. You, 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 after games, there was one shower and, 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 and Walsh. <laughs> one shower. You go, I go, he goes, he goes, I go. You, it was a joke, you know. It, but for whatever reason, we got the job done, you know, little by little every year, like you're saying, it got better, it got better, it got better. But, you know, you go into these beautiful facilities and, you know, wow, you see the showers, the locker rooms. You, you know what the weight room was at Seton Hall? It was in South Orange Avenue, the Nautilus Center place. <laughs> wow. It was wow. Not, yeah. It was nothing on campus. It, was, it wasn't much better by yeah. the time I got there, so don't, don't feel so bad, Dan. No, You know, my, my way my life went, I, whatever's in front of me, I, I adapt. And I learned that in high school, my parents, and, and Rash, really, adapt to the situation, move on. Hey, I've been through wars, crashes, 9-11. I lost every guy next to me died. All of this stuff going on, and I, you got to adapt. I always tell my kids, you got to move on. And you got to adapt. And I think the four years I was there, you know, it only got better. St. John's got better. Like you say, Villanova got UConn, Corny Thompson. I mean, it was a joke. I mean, it was a joke. Like Syracuse, I think, like they had five pros on a team. Well, you mentioned Greg Tynes a couple times already, and we had Greg on recently. And what Greg mentioned to us on the side was that, you know, we haven't come back on. We want to hear more about Coach Raff. And he goes, absolutely. He goes, but what resonates with him is that Raph didn't just teach him about basketball. He said he learned how to be a man and about more about life in general than anything else. Were there any life lessons that he instilled upon you? Yeah, you know, like I said, I was a quiet kid because my parents, you know, I didn't really talk a lot because they were deaf. But, um, you know, Danny, class. And I, and I tell my own kids and every kid I ever coached in my life, the way you look, the way you dress, the way you talk, you know, somebody's watching you. Someone's in a stand. Someone's here. It's always, it's true. I got like my job on Wall Street. I got to Italy this way. I'm working on, you know, between us, a sports center. I'm going to build my own sports center. I'm working on that. And, and you don't know. And there's only, there's a handful of people I've met in my life, a handful that are like Raph, class, gentlemen. You know, he'll never say, because of my Huston County and me, hey, Dan, you know this guy, Joe Schmo? Yeah, I think the guy is whatever. And Raph will never say that, even though he inside he knows the way this person is. He'll always say, ah, you know, Joe's a good guy, had a bad, you know, uh, had bad luck, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. He'll never say Joe is a, a you-know-what. And to be honest with you, when he left my junior year, I was going to transfer. I thought he was going to another school. I was the only one that went to his press conference. Because he pulled me aside. He's like, Danny, I'm going to have a press I go, Coach, wherever you go, I'm going. I'll transfer. I'm, I'm with you. And he's like, no, I can't talk about it. So he goes to his press, co press conference, and I'm there. And I lost it. I was crying. And so he's like, ESPN. I'm like, what, what the hell is this guy doing? He's leaving Big East basketball to do the – who's going to go – who's going to watch sports 24 hours a day, right? <laughs> That's what I read. I, I read something that says – you said, Coach, forget it. Who's going to watch ESPN? Yeah. Is that true? Thank God. Yeah, thank God he didn't listen to me. I'm like, Coach, please. I'm like, reconsider. Because, you know, back then there was channel two, four, five. No, there was only five channels, right? Cable wasn't even in the picture. And he's like, no, Danny, I'm going. And you know what's funny? I got closer to him when he left, and I got closer to Hottie. It was weird because Hottie was always, you know, was always Raph and Raph and I. Raff, he used to rip me. Like, I give you the ball. You missed the layup. Danny, you gave it to him in the wrong. I go, Coach, what do you want me to what, you want me just to hand it to him, Coach? Like you want me just get like a baby? And he would get, you know, throw me out of practice or something. <laughs> <laughs> because I could only take so much, too. I was like, Coach, I, what do you, I don't know what you want me to do. Don't shoot the ball. Shoot the ball. Give it to him. He misses it. I, and then when he left, you know, it was weird because I thought I would never see a guy that was influential in my life. And then I'm in the dorm one day, and, and the phone in the hallway rings, and like, Danny, it's for you. And it's Raph. I'm like, hey, coach, how you doing? He's like, look, I'm going to New York tonight. I want to take you out to dinner. I go, can we do that? He goes, Danny, I'm not a coach. I'm not a coach. I'm not a coach. I'm not an alum. I'm not. I go, okay. I go outside. Everybody's looking at me, and this big limousine pulls up right by uh, Bowling Hall. And I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. The guy, like, beeping the horn. I'm like, hey, I'm waiting for my coach. He's like, Danny, get in. 
So we get in and then we, you know, we, we bounced around all new. It was the best time I've ever had in my life. And him and I got so close because now he was not my coach anymore. He was just a mentor, someone I loved and I looked up to. And, and he would always tell me, Dan, you're doing this. You got to go left. You got to go right. You should be doing this. It's funny because I hit like four shots in like a week at the buzzer. One of those games was Princeton. He was doing the Princeton game at Walsh. So we were down the whole game, come back. I hit the shot at the buzzer. And I walk over to him, and I gave him a kiss. And that was it. That was it. He went nuts. He's like, he's waiting for me after the game. We're going down to South Orange. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to the shirt. Pack it in. Yeah, it was uh, – we really got closer when he left. And like I said, 40 years later, you know, I'm still talking to the guy. And he's always asking to me about how your kids, how you doing, how you're feeling. Person. You know, and like I said, they're rare. On this, and these times, he's, it's rare. You meet a person like him. Well, you mentioned Coach Raff leaves, Coach uh, Hadi Mahan takes over, but your senior season turned into one for the ages. And I'm going to say it, it can be argued that it may be the best single season in modern Seton Hall history. You scored nearly 26 points a game, which was third in the nation. You made third-team All-American. You were the Haggerty Award winner. You were Big East Player of the Year. Now, how difficult was it adjusting to Hadi being the new leader at the last minute? I mean, individual success didn't necessarily translate to the team, unfortunately. But that shakeup must have been rough. Yeah, you know, it was, you know, I, I, Danny Dunn, of course, sends me this tape. We beat Houston. I had a shot at the buzzer. And, you know, you forget about, the, you know, we were, I think we were like six two or something. And then, you know, we lose the guys to grades. And, you know, I only taste some hottie. You know, I, I was always in the gym. I shot in Walsh three, four hours every, I was always there. I had a key and I was always in there shooting, working out, you know. And, uh, you know, he would say, Danny, this, what I want you to do, change nothing. Just play your game. Just, you know, if you have it, take it. He gave me the green light. So he goes, I'm going to trust you, you know. When you, so what he did was the smartest move ever. He moved Howard McNeil to the point, and I was a two guard. Like, if you watch the games, like, I, I, I just actually, I had the high school where I coached. We watched it. And I'm like, Coach, you're not a point guard. I was like, no, they, they moved me over. So, like, it, we, we had such a good team that my senior year that I was, I was upset because I was losing. We were, you know, do we lose to Kentucky at Kentucky? Come back. We're riding high. We went to the finals. You know, we're, we're good. And then, you know, lose three guys to grades. I felt really bad for Hottie because, you know, he had a shot at getting a coaching job there. And then that, that was it. You know, like they blamed him, which for whatever reason, you know, back then you got to remember, there was no Robin Cunningham just came on. There was no, hey, make sure you go to class. Let me check your grades. You had to do it yourself. You know, like, you know, it's funny. <laughs> this is actually a, a rap story. But so they're like, Danny, you need three credits. Just take anything basket weaving, you know, turn the sprinklers on, whatever. So I, did, I looked through the thing. I, you had to do it. Like, the athlete had to do it. Nowadays, forget it. You don't do anything. So I saw sign language. So it was weird. So it was Saturday morning, and I said to the professor, look, when is the final? She's like, Dan, you got to come to class. You got I go, look. I go, when is the final? You know, Friday Friday, Friday night to see off. It was like a big party. And so I show up. It's like right before Christmas, and I'm in the back. And she's like, oh, everybody knows Danny. Danny, come to the front. So I go, okay. She's like, Danny, I want you to read this. So I put the book down and I saw, I go lefty righty. I start going lefty righty. She, she didn't even know what I was saying because the, the language was changing. Like you don't have to say words anymore. It was sure, all these shortcuts because my parents were cutting edge. She pulls me outside. She's like, what is all that? What are you doing? I said, my parents are fluent. She's like, look, I'll give you an A, but next semester you got to, you got to come in and be my like assistant. I said, Don. So Raph comes in, you know, I have B, C, C, D, C, A. Calandrillo, you could do it. You apply yourself. I go, thanks, coach. So he doesn't look across. <laughs> like, he, he, he doesn't look across. And I'm literally like, okay, coach, I got to go. I got to practice. And he goes, sign language? You soup that low? Sign language? <laughs> I go, coach, it's an A, right? Don't, 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 so. don't feel bad. You know, Zen and yoga was our favorite by the time we, we needed a couple grades. Zen and yoga. We're napping in class. It was great. Tom, group, hey. group discussion. I took group discussion my senior year. What the heck is that? <laughs> no, but I got to tell you, with the hottie, back to hottie was, I, I just loved the guy too. Like him and I got really close and I used to see him when I came back from Europe and his, it's so funny. This is how you talk about 360. 
So I've been coaching AAU basketball, high school, grammar school since like 99. So my oldest son, Daniel, was good. You know, he played in Italy, played, uh, I don't know, he was like, he was on the West Coast by uh, Brindisi. And uh, so his, you know, high school years, we had good AAU teams, like really good. So I had this kid comes in, this good looking Chinese kid. And I'm like, always somebody would come to me. Hey, I go, look, I'll tell you in five minutes, just play. And I'll tell you if he's going to stay or he stinks. I'll tell you in five minutes. So this kid comes out and he's lefty and he's like actually pretty good, you know, six two long. And I'm like, wow, long story short, he wants to be my point guard for two years. It's actually Hadi Mahan's grandson. So it's uh, JP Mahan's son, JP Mahan. He was older than us. So Hadi comes through a game. We, we actually lost in the finals to this team that like three guys going to North Carolina, like phenomenal team. So, after the game, Hadi pulls me aside, has a cigar. Hey, kid, how you? He goes, called me, kid. Hey, kid. I'm like, hey, coach, how you doing? Wow, great job, Danny. I said, yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, great kids. And he goes, can I give you some advice? I go, yeah. He goes, you're way too hard on the kids. And I almost smacked him. I go, what? <laughs> I said, do you know? Do you know? Like, I had to go through Hadi first. It would rip my head off. And everybody's on a bench now. And then I had to go through rap. It was Hadi first and then rap. Rap, you can't rap. You know, I, I'm just, I, I used to get so mad. And when he told me that, I go, Coach, you remember, you don't remember, like, ripping my head off every day, four years. Do you? Nah, I treated you nice. I, and I was like, forget it. Forget it, Coach. You have no idea. <laughs> Well, like like you said, the, the season gets off to kind of a rough start with the academic ineligibility. The team loses a great player in Howard McNeil and, and two other guys on the roster. So didn't hang any banners that year, but it is still remembered by tons of fans who love to share stories of some of the classic games that were played this year or played that year. And you've already alluded to a couple of them, right? It was basically just this run of buzz, buzzer beaters, and you were at the center of it all. 18-foot jumper with three seconds to go to beat Houston in overtime, 87-85 at the Meadowlands. You then scored on an eight-footer from the right side with uh, you know it's to go to top Princeton, 75-74. Two nights later, you're hitting a 15-footer from the left side, and that was the margin of victory over Providence, 66-65. And then later against UConn, you stepped through throw line for two shots, score tied. You make them both. You win the game. That was to break an 11-game losing streak. So that was a pretty special list. Which one's your favorite and why? You know, I think what happened was once we lost those guys, the grades, you know, I, I was just whatever it took to uh, to win for Hadi, you know. It was, uh, you know, because Hadi was like an offensive, defensive, like a guru. And he would have these plays like, Danny, okay, you cut. I go, Coach, I'm shooting the ball. I'm not giving it to anybody. Sorry. Like, <laughs> if I have it, I'm taking it. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. And I wasn't like badass. I was just like, look, I have a shot. If I don't have it, I'll pass it. But if I have a shot, I'm shooting it. And that run was was great. You know, I remember all those games. And I think the one game rap was doing the Princeton game. I went over a game of Kiss. It was such a good time. Like if if that just didn't happen, who knows? We could have went to the NCAA. We were we were that good. Like Howard six nine, Clark Young six six, Devro six. We had it all. It was all working. Like and we were all seniors. So when we lost those guys. It was like me and then like freshmen. The, 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 not a funny story, but like we almost beat somebody. I forgot who. And then we're going at Georgetown. And I'm just like, forget it. Ewing and, and like it's going to be 50 points. We're going to lose by 50. So we're down by 40. And, this, you know, John Thompson still has his whole team in it. Sleepy Floyd, John Thompson. It was like a joke. So I'm on the, I'm taking the ball out. I can't even see him. Patrick Ewing's in my face. I can't even see. I call a timeout and I walk over to Holly. He's like, what are you doing? I go, coach, I, I think I blew my knee out. He's like, he's like, good try, good try, get back out there. <laughs> I was so, I was so embarrassed. After the game was nice. I think with the Senator Cody, you know, took us up. We had a box, had all the food. So everybody's coming over me. Hey, what happened? Your timeout? I go, yeah, I, uh, I twisted my knee, but Coach Mahan kept me in there. And he looks at me like, yeah, right. <laughs> he's like, you just, he's like. He's like, you just wanted to come out. But, you know, that year was a great year. It was, you know, I, I personally, you know, the accolades were great. Would have been better winning. But uh, I think for my dad, too, my mom and dad, you know, uh, when we won a state championship, I was on TV. I did. I signed to them that you know, I loved them. My dad came to the last game. It was against Bagley. You know, Bags and I from Boston College, we were going at it that year, him and I. We were friends. And that was the first game. My uh, 
my dad ever saw me play. Like my mother came here and there when she could, but my dad came and he, you know, I was, it was very emotional for me. He never saw me play, you know, and I, they gave me the Big East trophy and all these awards and it was good because, uh, I was glad that I had an opportunity. My high school coach was there. My family was there. You know, it was, it was, uh, you know, you go back, you look, you get older, and all you think about was uh, the good memories, you know, the fond memories. Now, apparently, though, the buzzer beaters weren't the only unique stories. We found something while we're doing some research about an infamous Blizzard game in January of 82. Now, I actually, I'm going to date myself. I actually remember the weather from that year. It was a really bad snowstorm in 82. We had just moved into the house in Maplewood. Now, depending on where you were in New Jersey, there were up to two feet of snow that came down and came down in a hurry. There were some interesting tidbits. There were some good legends and some potential urban myths we'd like to clear up so danny tell us your story about that blizzard game well you know what happened was i moved home my senior year you know i was getting all this publicity and i was like look i, I just want to focus on basketball i uh my sisters worked in this place called apa trucking the nets practice there i had like my own little gym they let me in i used to shoot there so i, I was home and actually my friend jeff sticko was like danny just sleep over the night before i said yeah it's going to be some snow we got to I got to get there earlier, you know, because it may be a couple inches. But it, it took us six hours or something. It was stupid. Like, we literally had to go from North Bergen to Jersey City, back up the Turnpike, back to 280. It was like, so I'm like, how do you, you know, it's, it's going to go crazy. It's, he's going to go crazy on me. I'm going to miss the game. I'm going to miss, I'm literally going to miss the game. So I had my, I literally had my uniform on. Like, I was changing in the car, figuring, you know, I'll get there, warm up a little. But now I'm looking, I'm like, you know, the game started. It, he's probably not going to play me. And, like, I never forget, I run out. The game is still not played. It's postponed. So I literally had to get my ankle taped. Hottie looked at me like, if he could choke me, he would have choked me. <laughs> so and, and then, like, everybody's like, what? Everybody's looking at me. I felt, like, so embarrassed. Like, where where was this guy at? You know, like, I got snow on me. I have my uniform on. I go in. I get taped. I come out. The buzzer sounds. I start. I hit the first shot. The toilet paper comes out. I literally go on the floor and I start stretching. I've been in a car for six hours. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was. I couldn't even look at Hardy because he was so like he was red as an apple. Like I was. I I, I didn't say a word. Whatever. I was like, okay, coach. Sorry, coach. <laughs> and then you know the craziest thing was you know Sleepy Floyd. We had the tap. John Collins, and Freddie Brown. I was on. I was on Sleepy Floyd. It was uh, the ball was actually going into the Georgetown bench. So I was right in front. I mean, it would have been a three today. And the guy, you know, I mean, he was a great player too. But, you know, like, tossed the ball up. It goes in. So it was so funny. I was so mad at John, Sir John Collins. We just talked about this at this reunion. So Blizzard, I'm like, I'm going to go out tonight. Like, there's no tomorrow. We all go down. Stuff shirt. I don't know where we were. Somewhere down there. Bunnies or somewhere. The whole team. Every, the whole school's there. I took John Collins down. I said, look, I'll take you down. So we go down there. And it was like two in the morning. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to leave this guy. I'm just going to leave him here. You know what? I'm going to leave him. And I did. I, I I was so mad. I was so mad. Even after a good night, you know, we, we almost beat like the team that went on to win a national championship. Like we had him. We had him. And as soon as he saw me this year at the reunion, he goes, I'll never forget. You left me in that bar. <laughs> so he, you know, i you know how you know how big he is, right? I mean, he's gigantic. I'll never, I'll never forget you. Look, I said, well, you should have got that tap. You can't beat Freddie Brown. You're six eight. He's six four, right? Uh, oh man, I, I was pretty, I was, I was pretty, I was pretty bad with a grudge. Yeah. <laughs> well, supposedly, oh, supposedly the campus radio station began broadcasting. Please, Danny, where are you? The, <laughs> it was written that the police escorted you over to Walsh. Walsh. And you ended up only losing by two points, and you had a great game, 23 points against the conference powerhouse. Oh, what a yeah, great that, story. Uh, but I, That was uh, good times. I, I want to go back, Danny, to, to senior night. You already kind of started talking a little bit about it, but I kind of want to build it up a little more. I mean, people talk about how the, the college athletes kind of, you know, they're, they're in it for themselves. They're playing for the money to go to the NBA, and they're not as passionate about the game. And 
I, I don't buy any of that. We watched this year. Seton Hall fans got to experience a special moment at the Rock on senior night. Miles Powell is at half court raising his framed jersey to the sky, and all you see is tears filling his eyes, right? I read that when they announced your name before a full house of 3,200 on your senior night, it was said that you got one of the longest and warmest standing ovations ever heard at Walsh Gymnasium. And as you mentioned, your dad apparently didn't get to go to many games, but he was there on that night. And when they asked your dad if he missed hearing the cheer, your dad took his pad and wrote down, it did not matter to me if I couldn't hear because my eyes have good vision. Describe to me how emotional and special that moment was at that moment and then when you look back now. Yeah, you know, I, I get a little emotional now talking about you know, my dad was kind of my idol, you know, like you see somebody work as hard as he did, and, you know, you're a little kid and then you see your mom cleaning somebody's house, you know, it just, it uh, takes, takes a lot out of me. But with that, that night it was, it was, uh, you brought that kind of memory back. Um, you know, I'm just standing there and it just kept on cheering and it was, it was so emotional for me. I just, I had like, you know, I was, it was joyous. I was excited, but then I was sad because I was leaving. I just thought, what a you know, great choice I made, and thank God I did that. You know, come to a school, you know, it was a kind of a small, sleepy school back then, but you know, and like you say, Miles Powell, what he's done, and these great players now, and great coach, and it's just a class, class act, and the school is is rolling. You know, I'm on the board there. I never really go. They call me here and there, and uh, they just, you know, it's just like a class, class operation. Even back then, you know, we, we were like. We were like, what, what, what is Seton Hall doing in the, in the Big East? That's what people used to tell me. What do you, you, you guys don't belong there. But you know, we held our own. We, you know, we fought, we scratched, we clawed, and, and you know, I, I, I really believe we were the foundation for that '89 team, for the great teams now. You know, because now people are looking at Seton Hall like, wow, big time school. Somebody just, they just some, this year they signed all these great players. You know, but I think it was big for my dad because you know you can only read so much and. My dad was an avid reader, the dictionary, the Bible. It's so funny. My senior year, I had this, I was almost failed English. And Mrs. Coyle, she really tough on me, but she was like also a mentor to me. My dad wrote this letter to her, like, my son Daniel is not in school today, blah, 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 all these big words. And, and I handed it to the teacher and she ripped it up. She's like, give me a, a who wrote this? I go, it was my dad. Cause I was living with my dad at the time. And she's like, I get, I want to know from the dad. Like, I, I don't know what, what are these big words? Cause, cause you know, you got to remember here, my father never went to high school, self-educated, my mother too. So I think that time of just being there, you know, my dad was always so proud. He would write these notes to me when I was in Italy. Like, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're eating properly. It was, it was almost like a, a dad, a coach, a trainer, a mentor, you know, he, <laughs> but you know, for 13 kids, you know, I, I, I was the first one to go to college. Then my sister went. Um, so I think they were so proud, you know, like anything I ever do in my life, I always try to give back to my kids and, hey, you know what, love your mother and father. You know, there's lessons that really, really, really helped me as a young kid, you know. And that's when I saw Powell thing, I, and I broke up too. That was, you know, you may never get a player like that again, like what he did, what he accomplished, you know. Well, your father must have been beaming with pride, Danny, because despite the team record and the place in the standings, you cleaned up with all the postseason awards. Big East Player of the Year. And just to put that into some kind of context and historical perspective, you finished ahead of greats like Patrick Ewan, Chris Mullen, John Bagley, who was actually the defending Big East Player of the Year, and Sleepy Floyd. You're only one of three Seton Hall players who've ever won that award in the 40 years of Big East play. Terry DeHare and Miles Powell have been the other two. How high up on the list of accomplishments does that rank for you personally? I think what I always tried to do and what I do now is just, if you just raise the bar every day, you know, you're a good person, you work hard, you raise the bar. I, I thought I could do better. Even that back then, I, I, I look back, I think I could have done better. But, you know, there's a lot of things going on, a lot of different circumstances, switching of a coach into a new league. You know, I'm proud of it. I, I think, you know, like, you know, that saying records are meant to be broken. I'm okay with that. I just like, you know, I, I tell every kid I coach, even my own kids, look, the bottom line is I give tough love to everybody. Like, that's what I got. No one was nice to me. No one, I, I, I really, and it, I, I appreciate that. 
And I'll always say Hudson County was, you know, it was the street of hard knocks. You know, everybody was struggling. No one had money. It was tough times. But, like, for me, just to play basketball and be on a basketball court, and I did this around the world, that was my high. Playing basketball was a high. It was I, – I went to countries I could I only read about. And I think the, the, the best thing for me was when my dad and my mom read that, like, wow, an All-American. And, then, like, I came home one day, and I lost a game in high school. And, you know, I had 40-some point. He was like, you lost. It doesn't matter. You had four. You lost. You got to be a winner. Winners win. So I was drilled from an early age from my parents, like, you know, to be the best, you know, raise the bar, train when no one else trains. Like I was in Hudson County. I'll be running and with a weighted vest and pushing cars and people are like, dude, you're not going anywhere. You're white, you're slow, you can't jump, you got nothing. <laughs> you know, to this day, I always tell people, you know, I never really listen to anybody. Like I'm working on a sports center, kind of really can't talk about it, but put all my own money into it. I've been working on it for five years and, and I don't really, I take everybody's advice, but I look at my life in a four-story walk-up with 13 kids, and I go, you know what, I can achieve anything. If you have faith, you believe in God, you're a good person, you know, it comes it comes your way. It really does, and I believe in that totally. Well, after you graduated, you were drafted by the Houston Rockets in the eighth round of the NBA draft. I mean, people are going to lose their minds thinking about how many rounds there were actually. But you never did play in the NBA. You spent the year at Rochester with the CBA. Then you hit Europe. And you had a lot of success in Europe. Any reason why the professional career was shorter than it could have been? It seems like guys that have that much success stretch it out a little bit longer. What brought you home? Dale Harris was the coach in Houston. I went to veteran camp, rookie camp. I was there. I mean, yeah, remember, like, back then, there wasn't all these teams now. So I was scoring 18 off the bench. Like, it was me and Terry Teagle. Terry Teagle was the number one pick. Within three months, they, they cut him. And Dale Harris was like, Danny, stick around, be stay in Houston, go to CBA. And I tried the CBA, and I was like, you know what? I want to go to Europe. I want to travel. I'm going to see the world. So I got a call out of the blue. This guy, Jack Lahan, was like, look, Danny, uh, I'm going to be coaching this team in, in England. I'd love you to come in. The money was, the money was good. Uh, you got to come over here, like, in two days. And I was like, okay. Sends me a ticket. I go over there. Literally in two days, I, I, I just got engaged. And the first game we played against, true story, was AC Milan with Mike D'Antonio. Like, Mike's good. Mike's my friend, the coach of the Rockets. So we're there. They got Mike D'Antonio was a great player. Dino Menegin. They got Austin Carr, played with the San Antonio Spurs. So we beat them, the number one team in Europe. I didn't even know who I'm playing. I, I didn't even know the guys I was with. I had 55. D'Antonio had 50. So after the game, he goes, dude, who, who, who are you? You're Italian? <laughs> he goes, I go, I just got cut by the Rockets. I go, I just got a call. And I just said the hell with it, you know? So he gives me his number. True story. Gives me his number. After the season, I call him. I go to Italy. Then I got more money to go back to England. So I went to England. Then I go back to Italy. And I was there for like four years. I could have stayed there 10 years. I should have stayed. But I was there almost four years. I loved it. I got, you know, I had my Italian passport. You know, at the time, my wife and I were, were trying to have kids, and she had a lot of problems. But to be honest with you, I went, I was, I went everywhere. The only place I didn't go to was Russia. Back then, they were like killing Americans. The Red Brigade. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to Russia. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I just loved it over there. And, you know, they had the three. I was getting paid. I used to get paid a point. I'm like, dude, you, you're gonna lose that bet. <laughs> you're gonna lose that bet. <laughs> So I, I was averaging like 35, 40 a game. I, I, it's like a joke. It was like a, it was like a top of the, top of the key. It was like a layup. <laughs> so I loved it because, you know, I really never came home. I came home just to kind of stamp the passport. So for like five, six years, I was always over there. My wife at the time came back. We didn't have any kids. So I was always going to Greece. You know, I, I was, you know, Spain, uh, Barcelona, France. I, I, I loved it. I really, for a kid that grew up in Hudson County, to say I've been to all those countries, you know, it's tough as you get older. You got kids and you got obligations. and But that's why I always try to tell kids, I like, coach, look, that brown ball, you got to respect it, man. You, that, that that little thing can make you a millionaire. It could, you could travel the world. I've met some of the greatest people on the planet because of basketball. I really have. I mean, I was moving up to Rockland County, and I cold-called the coach up there, the AD, and they were like, you're Dan Calandrillo? I said, yeah, I want to just help out. I just want to volunteer. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get paid. And I did. I did it the whole year. We had the best year in 10 years. We lost in the, in the championship. And I'm now, you know, September, I'll be sign line. I'm going to be a sign language teacher. I'm going to be coaching. 
and I'm working on my project. But, you know, I always tell people, you like Raph said, you don't know. You don't know. Like, I'll go out somewhere and somebody say, oh, Danny, I was at the St. John's game. And I'll be like, okay. Like, what, what happened? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, like, you know, people, I go to see, see the whole game and people, it, it was so bad this year. So we go to this anniversary thing. I, I took the North Rockland High School, the whole boys program. We had like 50 kids. The coach goes out and buys number 20, Seton Hall, my number with my name on it. I go, coach, it's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. So I take him down to the floor. Jimmy Spinockle, you know, he grew up in Hudson County. He was a, like a mentor of mine. He went to Duke, played with the Mavericks. And uh, Jimmy's like, waves me over, shows all, all the kids, you know, on the floor. He's like, Danny, what's the deal with the uniform? Everybody has your uniform. <laughs> I, I was like, I was, I was so like, I, I rather be under the radar, like go to a game, go, you know, have a beer or two and then split. I don't want to, but like now the scene hall is just so good. They're just, they track you down in your seat, literally. Like Danny, I want you to go on radio. Danny, I want you to meet this guy. I want, uh, you know, it's, it's overwhelming. Like, it's overwhelming. Uh, and I appreciate it. I do. I don't think, like I said, I don't take advantage of it. I just think that I'm really proud that I went there and I, where the school is now. It's like, you see people everywhere. Seat hall, you know, bumper stickers, seat hall this, seat hall that. Seat. So it's funny because when they announced, Danny Dunn, when they announced this whole anniversary thing, 40 years or whatever, I just called. I said, I need like 50 tickets. I'm taking the team. And we got these 50 tickets. We went, we went down there. And these kids, they thought I was like, you know, like a, a water boy. <laughs> and they take me, you know, they, they're waving me down to the floor and they're all looking at me and they're like, wow, coach, you're like you, you used to be, you used to play. And I said, anything I tell you is the truth regarding basketball. Now, I may fabricate a little on some, but I said, anything I tell you, anything I did at this school in four years, it's the truth. You can check it out. You can Google it. You can do anything. You, you, this is the truth. Training, working out, you know, so I'm really glad of my life right now where I'm at a good spot and I'm working on a lot of good things. But like I said, when like when you reached out to me, anything I could ever do for Seton Hall, if they call me, hey, Dan, you know, what me and before the Big East. That, it was a shame because I was ready to go down that Thursday night. We were all going to go down to the whatever bar they get. I was all psyched. I was taking a couple of kids I coach. And then they were like, forget it. Yeah, it don't, you know, there's no, there's no Big East anymore. Enjoy the love, Dan. You You earned it. And in 89, Seton Hall inducted you in, into its Athletic Hall of Fame. But as the years go by, your name comes up time and again about being the all-time great. But we're always wondering, why is number 20 not retired? It should be hanging up there with everything you did. What do you think about that, Dan? I know Dan Dunn has been a vocal advocate of yours on social media promoting the cause. Do you agree with uh, our, our buddy Dan Dunn? That twenty should be retired. Well, look, I love Danny, by the way. So you know, he he's really kept us all together in touch and like brought people together. You got to remember, like I, I was I was in the zone back then. You know, I think I'm two years older than him, maybe three years old. I, I was just like, man, I'm gonna make it. I'm going to Europe. I want to win. I, I I was like so. And then years later, you know, I mean, I still have that kind of focus, not as intense as it used to be. But Danny really kind of reached out to everybody, brought us all back together, like Clark Young passed away, the Maddie Pickenich passed away, Daryl Devereaux passed away, you know, Howard McNeil was in jail, and a couple other things happened that I really didn't know. Like, I'm in my own little world that, you know, Danny, I had to tell Danny, we had an argument a, lot, a couple of weeks ago. Hey, Dan, this, I go, Dan, you're killing me with pitches. Like, I don't know where the hell he gets all these pitches. I really don't. He must have, he must have the archive somewhere, but... He's keeping it, but to be honest with you, having your number there, here, that I, I think it would be nice. I think my parents would love it. But to me, you know, I like to see Raph up there. I think, you know, I like to see Raph up there, you know, other players. But I I, I kind of never was a kind of guy like, hey, Seton Hall, put my number up there. Like, I, I did what I did. If it's not good enough, then it shouldn't be there. But, you know, I don't know the format, how you do it. What do you do? Like, I just say always to my kids, and I and they, I love just breaking their chops. I go, look, I'm in top 10 in a couple of things. So, <laughs> and I, North Bergen, uh, this guy came along, and I go, I don't know who came along. I, I went to four county championships. I won one county championship. I won a state championship. It's never done. It's never been done before. In 43 years, no one's ever done it. So, like, I love Jordan because when he has the six rings on, he goes, I don't know. 
I have six rings. <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. I think if Not conversation, yeah, and I, right? Yep, I got it. Yeah, I, I just think that to me, would I get off on it? Not really. I think it's you know something that I think my parents, if they were still alive, would be like, wow. But I, I, I really like going to the Seton Hall games, and they still they want alumni to come, they want ex players to come. Like it never was like that. It never was like that. To be honest with you, Brian Phelps, all those guys, Pirate Blue, they're doing a phenomenal job. And before we wrap up, we want to kind of go and ask you one more question. It's not directly basketball related. We always want to kind of dive into the human element of the, you know, the ex-ball players and alum. And there's another story about your background that kind of hits home to all the themes that you've shared throughout this podcast. You talk about a lot of the hard knocks in life and life throws you curveballs and you have to kind of learn from those experiences. There's a rumor out there that you have a fear of heights, but the irony is that that fear of heights actually led to possibly saving your life would you mind sharing with the audience that story yeah yeah it's true you know i'm 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 wet now like i never went on a ride i never went on a ride my whole life i don't know where it came from but a weird story and it's i guess it did save my life but it's funny because i after italy i you know i was really i always worked labor jobs construction loaded trucks i never so i was always like hey where do people play basketball like i was i was living in cliffside park at the time and Somebody said, Danny, you got to go to the, uh, the downtown athletic club in the city. So I didn't have a, you know, I was working at nights and during, you know, 3.30, I used to go over there and I, all these Wall Street guys were there. So this one guy says to me, Hey, you know, you're pretty good. Like you would be a great trader. And I'm like, trading, what do you mean trading? Trader what? Well, like, what do you trade? So he goes, here's, gives me his card. His name is Timmy Coglin. He goes, Danny, come in, uh, tomorrow. Garban. The company was Garban. So I go in there, you know, I put a suit and tie and all these, there's like 500 people yelling and screaming literally yelling and screaming and i was like whoa what what what's going on here he's like we're buying we're selling you know bonds uh and i was like dude uh, you want me to do that i can't do that he's like dude i, I just saw you win six games in a row you, you, you beat chris mullen because everybody used to go there chris mullen i got trapuca to go michael corin spinacle jackie galoon i got like a who's who eventually i started bringing everybody down there so I go, yeah, you trained me. I, he's like, dude, you could play in front of 30,000 people. You can't buy and sell a bond. So I said, okay. So then the next day I get another call. It was Billy Minotti. who's Rick Patino's brother-in-law. He's like, Danny, we want to hire you. So I was like, all right, all right okay. I go to his firm. So he goes, yeah, I heard you know my brother-in-law. I go, who's your brother-in-law? He goes, Rick Patino. I go, call him. Get him on the line. He, he goes, you know, Rick Pitino, the whole place is looking at me. Hey, coach. Hey, Danny, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. What are you doing? I said, I don't know. This guy's your brother-in-law. He wants to hire me. He goes, you're hired. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so he goes, but then I went back to the original guard band. Timmy Coglin was my boss. And, you know, long story short was like I was there five years. I, I was just, you know, thank God it really worked out well. Great people, all ex-athletes. So like my whole desk, there's like 30 of us. So like 20 guys go to Canner. So that was like, we were 120 Broadway. Canner was in a world trade. You know, it was like uh, 100 and something for you. had to go up, over, up. So I was going to leave the bond market and go into equities because I got an offer to trade equities. But my boss, Timmy Coglin, who was like, you know, the greatest guy ever, he, you know, he died 9-11. But um, he's like, Danny, come on up. We'll give you whatever you want. We'll give you a contract, give you this, give you that. So, so I said, what's, what's, the, what's the address here? So I go, Timmy, it's on a hundred. I go, Tim, I don't know if I could do it. I said, I, I, I don't know. He's like, Danny, it's no big deal. You take one elevator, crossover, you take the elevator, you go all the way up to the end. So I do it and I'm like sweating my ass off. Go there and I had to go to, I had to go to the bathroom so bad. And the, and back then the trade center, like the bathroom was moving. I was sick as a dog. Like I, I got really sick. So I go out and he's like, dude, you, you okay? I go, Tim. I can't I, every day to do that every day. I couldn't, I, I'm afraid of heights. So he's like, okay, are you sure? I go, no, I'm done. I literally, I couldn't even get in the elevator. I was sweating. I'm wet now. And I go all the way down, boom, boom, boom. Garban at the time, I went to the equity division and this was like uh, June of, of, uh, of 01. So like, Danny, we're going to go to Greenwich. The equity department is going to go to Greenwich, Connecticut, and then we'll bring you back to New York, you know, in the trade center, maybe the 20th floor. I go, yeah. 10th floor, 8th floor, fine. But, you know, and then I, I, you know, I look back, 
I would have been, you know, I would have died. But uh, so all, all my friends passed away. You know, it was it sucked. It was. Uh, I used to commute with a couple, and the one I won't say the name. She worked with me at Garband, and Mike, her husband. It's so funny. Him and I got along so well. His, his the only person I ever met in this in this in my whole life that his parents were both deaf. They were deaf mutes. So and he died nine eleven. But we used to talk in the car. When we wanted to talk in front of his wife, we used to sign. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I guess in a roundabout, thank God that, uh, you know, I, I still to this day, I, anything with heights. I, I took over my whole team. We went to the Barclays Center, and I go to the lady, where, where are we going? They're like, oh, you're, I go, no, no, no. <laughs> you guys go up there. True story. I literally, I just sat in the bar and watched the game. My kid was up there, but I couldn't, I can't. I, you know, and I, I'm sorry that whole thing happened, but uh, in a, and I guess in a roundabout way, it saved my life. So, Well, thanks for sharing that story with us, Dan. We really appreciate it. Now, before we let our guests go, we make them do one final thing. It's called walking the plank. We ask you five rapid-fire questions. We want five rapid-fire answers back. Dan, do you think you're ready? I hope. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So question number one, most points scored in any game at any level. 62. Which team was your biggest arch rival? Georgetown. Toughest road environment? Syracuse. Toughest opposing player you ever played against? Chris Mullen. Best SHU player you've ever seen play? Dallas. Bonus question. What is the best South Orange watering hole, past or present? I would say uh, South Shirt. Oh, we were expecting Calendrillos, <laughs> Dan. Oh. <laughs> But congratulations, you've walked the plank. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dan, for sharing time with us today. We really appreciate you and nothing but the best going forward. Thanks, guys. Anytime you need anything, just reach out. We appreciate that. Thank you. Dan Callenjolo, right, everybody. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please listen to our previous podcast with former Pirate greats Mark Bryant, Kadeen Carrington, Arturis Karnishevis, Jerry Walker, and Shaheen Holloway. For Tommy Chilkoharski, this is Mike Dizzy Dizzyri, and you've been listening to Left Coast Pirates. (laughs) 